Amen. Thanks so much for your singing this morning. Um, let's go ahead and read God's Word. We're going to be in the book of Romans this morning. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18 and working our way down through verse 27. Here's what God's Word says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that has been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. In claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And so therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations, for those that are contrary to nature, and men likewise gave up natural relations with women who are consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with women with other men, excuse me, and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Let's pray. Father God, these are sobering verses, important verses for us to remember, God. Thanks, thanks, God, for your word. And God, we need your help this morning to discern and to figure out how these words apply to our life. So God, we're asking, we're begging that you would that you would uh, use your spirit through your word to enlighten us, help us to understand what these words mean, God. Help us to understand how to make right application in our life. God, we're thankful to be able to get together. It's a good thing to be able to open your word and talk about these things, God. So we lift the rest of our morning up to you, God, and, and pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, my name is Andy. Um, if I've not met you before, I'm the counseling pastor here at Living Waters, and I'm just thankful to be able to share God's Word with you. We're working our way through Romans, and the title of our sermon series is The Power of God for Salvation. The verses I just read are probably some of the most sobering verses in all of Romans, and maybe even the New Testament but even these hard words, as hard as they are to hear, set the stage for really good things to come in Romans. And so it's Communion Sunday. We love Communion Sundays around here. It's a good time to visit the Lord's table. And it's a good time of reflection. But it means that we have to get right to it. There's lots to talk about. So let's crack open the Word of God. Let's, let's begin in Romans and let's work our way through 
What I call this title of this message this morning is just The Descent of Sin. And this morning, we're going to talk about the descent of sin and where that leads. John Murray said, Wrath is the holy revulsion of God's being against that which is the contradiction of His holiness. For His wrath is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men. That's what it says in verse 18. And sin embodies everything contrary to God's holy nature and is offensive to Him. It's offensive to Him. And so you see, sin and all sin is rebellion against God. It's rebellion against God. And justice, His righteous justice, demands a penalty of death and separation from Him. That's God's justice. And we're all prone to it. It all sits on us apart from and without the forgiveness of God and salvation. Because without that, we're all under God's wrath. Without His forgiveness and salvation, we are all under God's wrath. So these are Sobering verses this morning. And by the way, God's wrath. God's wrath is his holy anger. It's not reckless rage. It's not reckless. His wrath isn't some uncontrolled cosmic temper tantrum. He's not uncontrolled at all. Not at all. It's, it's completely justified. Because God is always in control. And God is not in His wrath some greater being with misdirected emotional outbursts. His wrath isn't an emotional outburst, but out, outburst. But His wrath is, as Joseph Schumann says, completely and fully just. God's wrath is, as Buse says, God's right response to those who would try to belittle His holiness. He's right in everything he does. Everything he does. And all of his actions and his wrath is a right response to our sin, which is our rebellion against him. And you know, we're all sinners by nature. We're all sinners. We're all suppressors. And truth is, we're all depraved. We're totally depraved. The way we think, what we think, what we do, how we do it, even our emotions are sin-affected. We are utterly sinful and fall short of the glory of God. That's what Romans 3.23 says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 3.10 says, as it's written, none is righteous. No, not one. And so we read that God says in His wrath, His holy and just anger is revealed against all ungodliness and of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And what about this word suppress? Well, this is just, this is Romans 1 language, suppression. It means to hold back, to hold down, to restrain the progress of something. I didn't share this in the first service, I'll share this now. I was a sophomore in high school and I was wrestling varsity and we were at a tournament in Central Lee. And I thought it was going to be a cakewalk. And I got in the finals and I ended up against this guy 
who was about six foot four. I was dating this girl. Julie's not here, right? Dating this girl. And we, we tied up. We locked up. And before I knew it, I was, I was on my back, and I was in an unbreakable called a guillotine. I think they call them a twister now. There's no getting out of it. There's no getting out of it. And the only remedy that you have is exactly what I thought about. I thought, I wonder if Cindy will still go out with me after this is all over. <laughs> Andy, just put, your, just put your shoulders on the mat. Let's get this over with. It's a suppression hold. And what they do in it is they lift your head, and the more they lift your head, the more you can't escape. And so that's what suppression is. It's the language of Romans 1.18. It's a, it's a suppression. It's holding back and restraining the progress of something. Well, I was restrained, all right. Spurgeon says that this suppression is that people won't let the truth work upon their hearts. They won't allow it to operate in their minds, but they, but they try to make an excuse for their sin. And ultimately, it's our hard, selfish hearts that are really the problem. We are utterly sinful and rebellious. And so this morning, I just want to walk through the descent of sin. That's the title of the message. And the progression of the ways that suppression and sin works itself out in us, according to Romans chapter 1. And the first thing that happens is, the first descent is just simple denial. Simple denial. Denial is the action of declaring something to be untrue. It's a refusal to acknowledge that something is when it's so obvious that it is. I had Jared load up a couple of pictures. I got a couple of pictures to show you. Hopefully they can... Okay, this picture. It's one of my favorite pictures. This picture was taken by Daniel Lodge in Grand Marais, Minnesota. And here's what I love about this picture. It's hard for me to tell, at a quick glance, where the reflection is and where the landscape is. You see that orange? That's not land, that's mist that comes across the water. And he ran back to camp and he said, Andy, did you see that sunset this morning? And I'm like, dude, it's 32 degrees. I didn't see much of anything this morning except my own breath. Here's another picture. Ah, yes. This is Bloody Bay, Jamaica. I looked at this boat for seven days. I'm not sure it moved, but those clouds did. And I, I was captivated I was captivated by this scene every day. So here's what we have. We have these two pictures of, you know what it is? It's, it's just somehow by random chance, all these things happened and they got put in a big bag and they just shook up and then all of a sudden, boom, you have these amazing landscapes and vistas. That's not what that is. That's not what that is at all. That's God's creation. That's God's creation. That's his attributes displayed, his power displayed. I watch those clouds roll in and roll out. I listen to that water. I look at that mist. That's not chance. You can't see God's attributes. They're invisible, but you can see through his creation 
that he is. And his creation screams about who he is and about how magnificent he is. And his creation, it's not random. It's not random. It's purposeful. And it's on full display for you and me. And look at what Paul says in verse 19. What can be known about God is plain. That word for known means apparent. It's, it's obvious. God's not hiding himself. On the contrary, he's ultimately gracious to show us who he is. He shows his power so that we'll consider him and be in awe of him. We're not polishing concrete floors back there, not just concrete floors. We're polishing molecules that God constitutes in concrete floors for the glory of God. When you came in this morning, you looked up in the sky and those photons hit your eyeballs. That's not random. You see the vistas you see and you see the power of God because He wills it to be so for His glory. And God the Creator has made Himself obvious to His people and His creations in plain view. Plain as the nose on your face. Not just random acts. And although you and I can't see him, we all see that he's made everything. And it's evidence of him and his authority and his power. But people in their ungodliness and unrighteousness, with hearts full of pride and arrogance, just push down and restrain God and his grace that he makes so obvious. And so the atheist says, ah, There is no God. There is no God. The culture says, we're too smart to believe in him. The agnostic says, you know, it's just impossible to know how the universe was created and whether or not he really exists. But Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. When we got here this morning, we saw his attributes in full view because he is. And the first descent of sin is we just deny him. The second is we just devalue God. The second stage of the descent of sin is that you devalue God. Verse 21 says, for although they knew God, they didn't honor him. And you know what's doubly troubling is that we look at the world around us and we say, that's awesome. You look at that mist and you say, that's awesome. But we fail to give credit where credit's due. We see it with our eyes, but we fail to see God as the creator, as he is and as we should. This makes it all the more serious and disrespectful. And everyone knows without excuse that the evidence of God is all around. We all know him. And that word for knowing him means to have knowledge of him. And yet, we don't celebrate him. And you know what the ultimate disrespect is? If you you were going to really disrespect somebody, it might not just be angry words. It would be, well, you just ignore them. You just ignore them. 
You just pretend like they don't exist. That's the most heartless thing you could do to a person. People will always respond towards a person in proportion to how much value they have to you. A failure to honor God the way he deserves by acknowledging him and celebrating him as the creator is just, it's utterly sinful. Psalm 73, 21 says, When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. And you know this is true. When you value a person, you give them your full attention. And parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Don't you know I'm talking to you? Sorry, that came out a little strong. I might have knowledge of that. <laughs> parents, you know this is true. I'm speaking to you. Don't look away when I'm speaking to you. Why? Don't disrespect me that way. I'm giving you my full attention. Value what I'm saying to you. When you want to communicate your love to your sweetie, you look him in the eye, and you acknowledge him, and you do it because you value them. That's what you do when you acknowledge somebody. You acknowledge your value. And the third thing is you'll just become foolish and you'll invent cheap imitations. The third way of the progression of sin happens is that you'll become a fool. And that foolishness will lead you to inventing cheap imitations and not following the real thing. It says, but they became futile. And that word for futile means empty and vain and they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool in his heart says there is no God. Spurgeon said the way to a fool is to pretend to, the way to be a fool is to pretend to be wise. And a shortcut to wisdom is the confession of folly. And we've come to this place where, where we make these cheap imitations and not valuing the real thing. And look, the absence of, of God is not enlightened thinking. It's not enlightened thinking. We're fools if we think we've transcended the idea of God. We're foolish if we think that God doesn't exist. He's the ultimate reality. And so denying God is sin. And left to itself doesn't lead to enlightenment, but it'll lead to your destruction. It'll lead to your destruction. It grows like a cancer, and it's a malignancy. And it takes over, and it spreads. And your denial of God will lead you to only one place. That's hell and separation from him forever. And you'll know it when you stand before him. You'll know it when you stand before him. Sin, denying God, failing to give him honor becomes a malignancy of the soul that spreads 
and it progresses in a negative way. And some people say in their thinking that they've moved above and beyond faith. God just isn't. You know, the definition of a fool is a person that acts unwisely. That's foolish. That's foolish. And it's not based on your IQ. doesn't matter how high or how low your IQ is. A person can have the highest IQ but still be a fool if they deny the existence of God. Stephen Hawking had an IQ of somewhere around 160. That's probably not the highest, but that's pretty high. That's pretty good. You know, he gave an interview in 2014 to the Washington Post, and he said they asked him about this statement that he had made about the existence of God. He said, well, before we, understand, before we understood science, it it, is, it was believed that God created the universe. But now science offers a more convincing explanation. And what I meant by that we would know the mind of God is we would know everything that God would know if there really were a God, which there isn't. And I'm an atheist. That's foolish. That thinking is foolish. And when you suppress the truth and you devalue God, you'll reach out and you'll reach to cheap imitations instead of Him. You remember Exodus chapter 32, verse 1, where Moses hasn't come down yet, and the Israelites, they're impatient. They're like, what is going on? Where is He? And in their impatience, they grab their gold and they do what? Make a calf. They make a cheap imitation to worship. They look right past the living God and go right for the cheap imitation. And you thought that the golden calf incident was done and over. But you know, idolatry is alive and well. When you devalue God, you'll reach for value in everything else. And when he's not your focus, everything else will be. It was present in the time of Moses, and it's present now. The Hindus, and this is not a knock on people that we should love. This is just reality. The Hindus, they have anywhere from 33, 33, to 330 million gods. That's a lot. That's a lot of god and goddesses. They're they're so confused, they don't even know who they should follow. How can you make sense of that? And you know, Exodus 20 says, you shall have no other gods before me. But we do this all the time in our culture. We do this all the time in our culture with work and family and money and relationships and marriage and cars and houses and sex and religion. And you know, idolatry is not only bowing down to statues, but also anything that means more to you than God. 
That's what idolatry is. And without a heart change and God saving you, you and I will just settle for cheap imitations. That's what we'll do. Whatever fills the void. And a failure to worship Him and instead worship cheap imitations will lead to your destruction. And if God saved you, you're a saved person. Boy, we should thank Him and praise Him for His saving work of grace in our life. And when we find ourselves revisiting that same idolatrous bent, we should repent. It's His saving grace that moves us out of that progression, that malignancy, that problem. And we're all prone to it. And apart from faith in Christ and salvation, God's wrath sits on us. Fourthly, the descent of sin shows up in you and your relationships. Have you ever heard of this expression? Be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. I think that comes from Aesop. You guys ever heard of Aesop's fables? I think that was something in Aesop's fable. In other words, what you get may not necessarily be what you really wanted. Verse 24. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, and they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and served the creature rather than the creator. A sobering reality in the descent of sin is really from verse 24 and 25. And it's this. A person's relentless pursuit of their own sinful desires could just result in God pulling back his restraint. He just pulls back. You want it that bad? You can have it. Having something, wanting something, isn't necessarily as much fun as what you get. God pulls back his restraints. He just lets it go. And the manifestation of God's wrath is God letting you get what you hotly pursue. You're pursuing it. You want it that bad? Be careful what you wish for. This is at some point every parent's experience as well. Listen to us. We have told you and 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 told you. But if that's what you're going to do, well, we can't stop you. We're not going to stop you. I guess you have to learn the hard way. I've told you, I've warned you, and I guess that's what you really want. You know, a verse comes to mind, Proverbs 13, 15. The way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. And when you, when you fail to value God and you're consumed with yourself, you will immerse yourself in your sin, and that sin will make a train wreck of your life. And make no mistake, 
there are no free rides. There's no free rides. Galatians 6, 7. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. And as Warren Wearsby said, it's just one short step from idolatry to immorality. And regarding verses 26 and 27, we could spend hours on these verses. We don't have that kind of time. But it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Sexual expression is expressly directed to be between one man and one woman, and that's in the context of a marriage relationship. And the only natural sexual relationship that the Bible recognizes as acceptable is heterosexual within the confines of marriage. We will follow what we value. And if God's not the object, we will find something other than God. And we'll follow that thing and we'll worship it and we'll give it our time and we'll cultivate it and it'll get all of our attention It'll become our reality and our identity. And God says that marriage and the marriage relationship and the physical union between man and woman in marriage is as he has designed it. Why is there so much emphasis on lesbianism, homosexuality, immorality, in the culture that we live in. Pride. It's pride. Pride says I can live however I want. Pride says none of my desires are wrong and you can't tell me otherwise. Pride says God can't tell me because he doesn't... Ex God, God can't tell me that my desires are wrong. God's rules don't apply to me. I wish I had a dime. For every counseling session I ever had where the person leaned across the table and said, but doesn't God want me to be happy? And we would say, he wants you to be holy. The truth is, at the core of sexual immorality, homosexuality, and all that sin is, is that a person's not right in their vertical relationship with God. And that can only be addressed in salvation and a right heart change. As Kevin DeYoung says, homosexual practices, homosexual practices are an example on a horizontal plane of our vertical rebellion against God. So there you have it. There you have it. It's our rebellion. And it's our sinful rebellion that takes the stage and works in its progression, works in its progression that would lead to our destruction. So you say, well, what's the remedy for the descent of sin and God's wrath on us? Salvation. It's salvation. It's believing that you're a sinner and believing that Christ 
took on himself all the wrath meant for us. It's understanding that Jesus is treated as you should be treated so that you don't have to be treated that way. Romans 3, 24 and 25 says, Jesus is our wrath remover. He's our propitiation. He took God's wrath for you and me. He took God's wrath for you and me. Every drop of it. There wasn't one spilled. He took all of it on himself so that we wouldn't take God's wrath. And we're saved when we believe in him by faith and we trust him. And we, we understand and we trust in that sacrifice that he made. And therefore, God's wrath isn't against those who believe in Jesus by faith. Romans 5.9 says, Since therefore we have now been justified, made right by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? The Bible also says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's Communion Sunday. And it's a great opportunity for us to think about whether or no we've trust whether or not we've trusted Christ if you haven't what a great time to consider what he says and consider how he wants you to put your faith and trust in his son it's a time for believers to review their relationship, their fellowship with God, and say, if there's work that needs to be done, if there's sin that needs to be repented of, this is the time to do it. It's the time to keep short accounts. If there's problems with other people that need to be repaired, this is the time to do it. Communion is a great opportunity for us to live out and think about the verses that we've heard. So we're going to step into communion time. Communion is for believers. If you're not a believer in Jesus, don't take communion, but take that time to think about your salvation. If you are a believer in Jesus, we invite you to take communion. We'll take it together. Pastor Chad will come up and lead us when the time is right. Let's pray, okay? God, these are, these are sobering words and difficult words. They, they push back against so much of what we see in our culture and where we live. And yet, God, we agree together that your word is good and you're good. And so, God, you extend your love to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And I just pray, God, that if there's someone here that doesn't know you, that today would be the day that they put their faith and trust in Jesus and God that we would consider and think about how to value you above everything else and not give in to cheap imitations God thanks for your word thanks for the opportunity to get together today God we pray and ask these things in Jesus name amen